we have a treat for you guys today. Pastor Rich is out for this weekend. That's not the treat. Um, my boss, that's not the treat. He's not here. Um, but we have a wonderful fill-in for him. Um, I say he's a guest speaker because he is a guest speaker, but he is one of us. He's a new lifer. Um, Larry Felder Sr. Some of you know Larry. Um, yeah. So Larry, um, Larry is a pastor. Larry has been a worship leader. Larry has um, overseen communities, been involved in prison ministry. He and his wife, Marissa, came to join us a while ago, and we are pleased to have them as part of our community. They've been a gift to all of us. And so Larry's here to share with us today. Um, and the most important thing, um, as I shared second service, that um, has impressed me about him and his wife as well, as they are, they really love the Lord. Um, they're lovers of Christ. They are lovers of people. Um, and they, are, they serve with open hearts. And so Larry's going to come up. Rich always says, you know, when people come up that we want to give them a queen's welcome when they're from outside of New York. I want you to do the same thing for somebody that's an inside New Yorker, okay? So let's hear it for Larry Felder. You are good at this. <laughs> Thank you. Let's try that again. She's good at this. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Jackie. As you know, Pastor Rich is away this week. Um, he's in San Francisco. And this weekend, he has been asked to preach four times. That's what I said. Well, I mean, I have preached three times today, but four times over, over the weekend. And so we ask that you keep our pastor um, lifted up in prayer because he is an excellent preacher, excellent teacher. And we know he's gonna do an incredible job, amen? And so the other thing is that I want to thank him for allowing me to grace his pulpit because pastors don't do that very often. You know, they don't always wanna trust their people to somebody else. But I'm glad he's had a chance to watch me for a little while understand who I am, and know that as Jackie said, I do love the Lord and I love people. And so he's trusting me and I take that trust very, very seriously. Um, also, I wanna mention that we are, my wife and I are part of the Long Island community. Although I grew up and raised my kids in Hollis, Queens, Ho-Town. Somebody say amen. amen. Yeah, yeah, Ho-Town, Ho-Town. I'm sorry? Oh, that's still long. Oh, my goodness. They got heckless. They got heckless. But it is the third service, so, you know, we can deal with heckless. You know. But technically, Hollis, Queens, is actually on the block of Long Island. But it ain't Long Island. It's Queens. Okay? Now, where I live, where I live is Long Island. We, my wife and I moved to Long Island about um, six years ago. So we reside in West Babylon, Long Island. And um, we're having a wonderful time out there. I can park in front of my own house. You know, um, my incredible neighbors are wonderful, but they can park in front of their own houses. And they got driveways. I got two driveways, thank Jesus. Oh, Lord, hallelujah. 
But I got to tell you, I love Queens. I do. I was born and raised in Queens, so I love Queens. But uh, we live on Long Island, and as such, we're part of the Long Island community, and uh, we are having a potluck next Sunday evening, not at my home, but at another uh, brother's home, and I believe this is in Nassau County. I believe he lives in Nassau County. But at any rate, you can go online and get all of the information, okay? All right, good. So if you want to, um, don't tell anybody I said this. If you want to crash the party, and you're not from Long Island, come on down. It's all good. We're one big community. Amen? Amen. 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 Let me pray for us, and then I want to get into the text. Now, Pastor Rich, as you know, has started a new series, Encounters with Jesus, Life-Changing Stories from the Gospel. And we're going to go into one of those stories today where... The disciples have an encounter with Jesus. Now, how many of you know that when you have a legitimate encounter with Jesus, you learn things about Jesus that you didn't know before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When you encounter him for the first time, you learn things that you never knew before. Now, why is that important? Because when you learn things about Jesus that you've never learned before, you begin to see yourself and your situations in a new light and from a different perspective but you've got to see Jesus differently. Amen? And so we're going to get into that story in a little while. We're going to um, get into the text, and, uh, but I just wanted to give you a little intro. So our story today is found in Mark 4, verses 35 through 41, and our team is on it. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the message that you've given me for your people. I pray that you will open their eyes to see, touch their ears to hear, touch their hearts to receive truth today, so that when we leave here today, we might say, like a sister said earlier, that I was getting ready to give up until I heard the word today, and I decided I'm not going to give up, I'm going to keep going. Lord, may all the stories that have converged on this building today and in this this particular service May those stories look differently after they have seen Jesus. So that by the time we leave here, Father, we we will go from being lukewarm to being on fire. We might go from being discouraged to being encouraged. We might go from being afraid to being afraid, but facing our stuff because we know who's in the boat with us. In Jesus' name, we bless you and praise you. Amen. All right, you guys ready? Let's look at the text. On that day when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was already in the boat. And other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that they woke him up and said to him, teacher, Don't you care that we are going to die? I'm going to back up because I missed the line. And the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. There it is. He was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased. And there was a great calm, 
And then he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Yeah, you got it. And they were terrified and asked one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, I don't know about you, but I am a big fan of superheroes. I absolutely love the Avengers. I love Marvel. I love DC. I love it all. And what is so cool about these, um, these movies is that whether you're with Marvel, DC, every superhero, it seems, has a different universe. Have you ever noticed that? So if you're Batman, your main city is Gotham, right? You know, reminds you of New York. But you know, it's Gotham, right? Now, if you're Superman, your main city is Metropolis. Now, inside of Metropolis, there's a newspaper called the Daily Planet, right? Now, probably somewhere on the 32nd floor, I wish I'd heard the joke over there. Uh, somewhere on the 32nd floor, perhaps, in a corner, um, behind a cupboard or whatever, or in a cubicle, there's a mild-mannered reporter by the name of Clark Kent. But you and I both know that that's not his real identity. Clark Kent's real identity is or Kal-El, right? But he's known as Superman. Now, to the unsuspecting uh, residents of Metropolis, they don't know that Clark Kent is Superman. Because that'd be a bad thing. Because I'm going to tell you something. If I knew that he was Clark Kent and I'm working for the Daily Planet, if my cat got stuck in a tree, I'm going over to his cubicle and I'm saying, Clark, I know, you know, you're faking the funk here. Listen, would you put on your Superman stuff and go up on that tree and get my cat? Or I get a phone call from my neighbor, your house is on fire. Hey, Clark, uh, Superman, go do what you got to do. Clark Kent or Superman will be running and taking care of things that he ain't got no business taking care of. So wait, we make sure that no one knows his true identity other than the folks on his team, the Justice League. See, if you're Batman, you know that Kal-El is Superman. If you're Aquaman, you know that Kal-El is Superman. If you're Wonder Woman, you know what his true identity is. Because it's important for you to know, because if you know, that means you guys can cooperate and fight crime together. There was another unsuspecting resident, not of Metropolis, but of, but of, but of Israel. He was uh, Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. He was a knowledgeable man. He came to Jesus by night. I think he came to Jesus by night because he realized there was something different about that rabbi. And he said something very important to him. He said, teacher, listen carefully. We know that you are a teacher come from God because no one could do the things that you do unless he's come from God. But I submit to you that Nicodemus actually had it wrong. A lot of people have it wrong. See, Jesus is not a teacher that came from God. He was God who came to teach. Now that subtle difference means everything. Because if you are a Muslim, he is just another teacher. 
If you are of other religions, he's just another teacher. But to this audience, to this man, Nicodemus, Jesus systematically went through a lesson plan so that he would understand his real identity. But he was speaking in riddles, as it were. But why? Well, here's the thing. Nicodemus wasn't the only one back then that didn't understand the identity of Jesus. See, this is my big idea today. My big idea, my sermon in a sentence, the thing that I want you to go home with, the thesis that I'm trying to prove today is that Jesus is God right here, right now. Jesus is God right here, right now. Now, before we get into the text, I want to give you a little background. So we're in the book of Mark. In the first chapter of Mark, we find Jesus in the synagogue, and he's teaching. You and I both know that his teaching must have been off the chain. Here's how we know. He must have been dropping science. He must have been dropping such knowledge that the people were like, ooh, wow. My God, I never heard it that way. So that's what that meant. Oh my God. They were amazed. And when God's people are amazed, and when God is being glorified, there's another entity that's not too happy. All of a sudden, a man sitting in the synagogue with an unclean spirit said, we know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Have you come to destroy us before our time? Jesus says, shut your mouth and leave the building. He cast that demon out. He shut the demon up because he did not want the outsiders to know who he really was. That's not all. We go further in the first chapter of Mark. We find that Jesus is healing a, 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 a leper. First of all, priests weren't supposed to touch lepers. Not only did Jesus touch the leper, he healed the leper. And then he says to the leper, sternly, the text says, do not tell anyone what happened to you except for the priests. By the time we get to the fourth chapter of Mark, Jesus is healing people with withered hands. He's telling people that he's Lord of the Sabbath. It's a whole nother level now, whole nother level. So wait a minute, you're casting out demons, you're touching and healing lepers, you're healing people with a withered hand, you're telling us that you are Lord of the Sabbath, Mark's winking at us, he's making a point here. By the time we get to the fourth chapter, Jesus is now talking in riddles, I'm sorry, parables. He's telling stories that are confusing not only the people, but also his disciples. His disciples come to him and they say, well look, um, Jesus, why are you talking in these roundabout parables? And then Jesus quotes Isaiah 6. He says, because seeing, they will not see. Hearing, they will not hear. That's fancy language for the information that I have, my true identity, 
And the message of the kingdom is for insiders, not outsiders. When I tell the message of the kingdom to insiders and they get the message and they begin to understand who I am and they operate the way I want them to operate, they then take that message to the outsiders and those outsiders then become insiders. This is why, according to my thesis, and I think it was Marx, I don't believe this text that we're reading is about a storm. I think Mark and Jesus are winking at us and he's telling us something else. I think he's telling the disciples, I am God, right here, right now. I am here, right now. I'm God. Finally, let's get to the text. Now, What's the problem here? I think it's rather obvious and you'll see in a moment that while Jesus was physically asleep and needed to be awakened, I submit to you that the disciples are the ones that needed to be awakened. See, I believe the problem in the text is that the disciples are in need of an awakening. See if you agree with me, let's go to the text. So here's what's happening. Jesus is standing in a boat he tells them, let's go to the other side. Now these are fishermen. They're used to being in boats. They're used to being on the Sea of Galilee. They do their thing, they get into the boat and they start journeying to the other side. They're doing what they normally do. They do what they're normally doing. They do what they are normally, in other words, they're just living their lives. We're fishermen, it's what we do. We go into boats and we go across the Sea of Galilee. And while doing what they do, a storm ensues. Well, the Sea of Galilee is nestled between mountains and it's not uncommon for a storm to rise up just quickly. But generally, the disciples or the or fishermen can look at the sky and say, okay, yeah, it's gonna kind of be a storm, not going out on the water today. Or if I'm going out on the water, we're staying close to the, to the, to the edge. But they get in the boat and they start going on the side. They had no inkling that a storm was going to happen. And doing what they do, all of a sudden, a storm ensues. Now, this wasn't a normal storm. It was the kind of storm that fishermen are afraid of. Quick story here. Don't tell anybody I told you this. Now, if I, anybody finds this out, I'm knowing you, you told them. I'm not a fisherman. A friend of mine took me out fishing some time ago on a boat. It was off of um, Freeport. Beautiful sunny day, gorgeous. We get on this boat, we go out. <laughs> Sick as a dog. I couldn't wait to get back. There were fishermen doing what they were doing and I was in another room. That's all I'm gonna tell you. That's all, I, that's all I'm gonna say, that's all I'm gonna say. That's all we're gonna say, that's all I'm gonna say. But these are experienced fishermen. And a storm ensues, and this storm is threatening their lives, and they're afraid. How many of you, you're just going about your life doing what you do, and something happens that makes you afraid? You got a pain in your shoulder. You ignore it, you ignore it. If you're a man, you definitely ignore it. And then your wife kicks you, you know, in the rear and says, get to the doctor and check it out. You go check it out, and you find that there's a mask there. But you were just living. 
The disciples find themselves in this situation. They're just following their teacher. They're just following their rabbi. They're just following Jesus to get to the other side. And a storm ensues. And it's a dangerous storm. And Jesus is asleep. There's a storm. You're sleeping. Uh, wake up. Don't you care that we perish? Jesus gets up, rebukes the winds and the waves. Everything's calm now. And then he asks them a question. Where is your faith? Here's the thing. Here's why I believe the text is not about a storm. Because if it were, the text would stop there. Right at that verse, when Jesus calms the storm, the text would stop. They'd go to another paragraph, and we'd keep it moving. But Mark's story doesn't end. He says the disciples, after Jesus asked them this question about their faith, he says they were terrified. Let me ask you a question. The storm's over now. The storm's passed. Why are you terrified now? You were afraid before, but now you're terrified. Why? Oh, I think they're looking at Jesus now and saying, oh my God, what are you? Who are you? You see, in antiquity, men feared three things. Men and women feared three things. They feared the sea, they feared demons, and they feared death. Why the sea? Well, first of all, if you were out in the middle of a sea and a really hard storm came up, those ships couldn't handle those storms. We read all over the text where people were shipwrecked, right? Because the boats weren't strong enough, so they had to be very careful. When you were taking a trip to another country back then, you were literally taking your, your hands, your life in your hands. Now, if you were Greek, then you were afraid that monsters would come out of the sea. They were afraid of demons. Entities that they could not control. Entities that would enter their children, their family members, would rip their clothes off, would make them speak unsearchable curses, would cause them to hurt other people where they had to put these people in chains. So they feared entities, demonic forces, that they could not control. And finally, they feared death. Why? Because depending on your theological persuasion back then, some people believed that there was a resurrection and some believed there wasn't. So if we died, is there a life after? So they feared death. That's a problem. I think when the disciples were terrified, they're beginning to put two and two together. They're saying, wait a minute. He's cast out demons. He's raising people from the dead. Who is this that even the sea obeys him? Could it be God living among us? And if so, we have been taught that no man can look at God without being, without being killed. 
So here we are in a boat with God. What do we do? That's a problem in the text. That's what they're dealing with. You remember other texts with Phil, Philip. Have I been so long time with you, Philip, and you still don't know me? He said, when you've seen the Father, you've seen me. Uh, who do the people say that I am? Well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're this, some say, Peter says, um, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. So they didn't know, they're learning. They're learning. That's their problem. Doesn't mean anything if we don't understand what it means to us. You know what our problem is today? We need to be awoke. We need an awakening. We need to know that while we're going through our daily lives, I'm going to New Life Christian Church, I'm going to the mosque, I'm going to the synagogue or not, I'm working every day, I'm doing what I do, I'm a player, I'm going to school, I'm raising kids, I'm living my best life, yada, yada, yada. I'm doing what I do. And in the midst of you living your best life, a storm ensues. A storm that is not only external, it's an internal storm. Now you find out why you had an anger problem all these years. You're finding out that you had fears and you're bipolar because you finally went to a therapist and they told you, this is the diagnosis. All those relationships that you've been losing through the years, through your anger, the problem is not your anger, the problem is your fear because the anger is a secondary emotion. It only serves as a defense mechanism to what's really going on down within you. And sometimes Jesus allows storms so you can find out what's really going on. So he can begin to address what's really going on because you're praying about your anger and God wants you to pray about fear. <laughs> so this is what it is. We're living our lives and things happen. You're a mom. Your daughter brings home what she believes to be the man of her dreams. You take one look at this character and you say, oh my God. You feel your worry. These are storms. You lose your job. You are already in financial turmoil, but you lose your job. That's a storm. That's a storm. You hear about a sickness. That's a storm. So while you're doing, and while you're doing what you do, storms ensue. According to Chapman University, they did a study, and they, they, they characterized uh, Americans' fear uh, top three fears as this, um, corruption in politics, right? That's one, that's number one fear. Yeah, I did the same thing. Corruption in politics, I'm gonna get there in a minute. Corruption in politics, two, um, water pollution and air pollution, so their problem is still with the sea, right? Okay, and of course, death. Well, why don't they fear demons? Because people today don't believe that demons exist. But I assure you, having cast out many of them, they do exist and people can be free. Come on now. Now, now, but we fear, you know, you know, corrupt politicians. And I can understand that. But as I read that study, I said, man, they didn't do this study in the hood. Because we ain't worried about politicians because we don't believe they care anyway. 
We're worried about whether or not I can pay my mortgage or pay my rent. You know, I'm worried about whether or not, you know, my children, my grandchildren who are on Long Island, they're going to school if they're going to meet up with MS-13 members. We want to know if while my, my little granddaughter's coming home from school, she gets off the bus, we worry that she won't be snatched up by somebody. Those are the things we worry about. Well, whatever they are, I'm telling you that Clark Kent's not the one in the boat. Jesus, God, is in the boat. And he's telling you and me, I am God right here, right now. I don't care what it is. I am God right here, right now. What's the grace here? It's, so, it's, it's right before our eyes. Two things I want you to notice. Did you notice that when we were reading the text, that the scripture says there were other boats? Did you notice that? Or did that just go by you like it went by me the first time I read it? Because see, generally, I'm reading this account in Matthew. Matthew doesn't, he doesn't mention it. Because Matthew didn't write this story first. Mark wrote it first. So we're going to look at Mark's account. Mark said it wasn't just the boat the disciples were in. There were other boats. Which means the storm that Jesus calmed wasn't just for the insiders. It wasn't just for his followers. There were other folks in other ships that his miracle also affected. It rains on the just as well as the unjust. We're talking about a God who loves everybody. But here's the other point. And I want to drive this home. Oh, I got six and a half minutes to go. So I can do it. I got enough time. Because if I don't, Richard will kill me. All right. So... Did you also notice that the miracle that occurred happened in spite of the faithlessness of the disciples? They didn't have enough faith to get the sea calmed. You and I don't have enough faith often to get certain things done. You and I don't have enough faith to change our situation. There are occasions throughout the scripture where God says your faith has made you whole. But I'm telling you in this text, it wasn't about their faith. It was about Jesus being God all by himself. My God. So, no matter where you are, no matter what your situation is, you might be saying to yourself, I don't have enough faith, I'm just not there, I fail all the time, I'm saying, Good, because I want you to understand who's standing in the boat with you. In 1978, I started my college career. No one in my, of my mother and father's children had ever graduated from college. I said I would be the first. So I went to school and I quit. I went back to another school, and I quit. I went back to another school, this is Nyack College this time, and I quit. I went back to Nyack again, and I quit. <laughs> See, there was a script running in my brain that I couldn't learn. I didn't know that. But when the storm came, God had me look at it. You've been taught that you couldn't learn. Here's the problem, Larry. It's not that you couldn't learn. You didn't know how to study. 
and the teachers didn't know how to teach you how to study. So what you thought was a learning uh, disability, it was not. So then I went back to school. Then I quit. <laughs> a wonderful mentor of mine who's gone on now, Dr. Orlando Rivera, one of my professors at Nyack College, said to me, Larry, I gotta tell you, you have been one of my finest students. There's something going on with you in school. There's a, there's a, there's a disconnect, there's a, there's a stronghold. Whatever it is, fix it and get back into school. Yes, sir. And then my wife, all of the husbands says, amen. amen. My wife said, now look, you're an intelligent man. I didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't marry a dummy. I didn't marry someone who had a learning disability. Get back into school and get it done. So I went back into school <laughs> three years ago. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Imagine the tears in my mom and my dad's eyes from heaven as they looked down. And their boy walked across Liberty University last weekend. Their boy. Their boy. Their baby boy. Their baby boy. And check this out. In order to give Satan a black eye, I didn't just pass, y'all. I graduated cum laude. What I'm telling you, and I'm 50 years old. All right. I started this journey in 1978. I'm a graduate of 2019. I'm heading, I'm heading to ATS this fall. I'm starting my end div in, I don't know, three to five years. I'll have that. And if I stay alive, and I'm going to stay alive because I'm going to live till about 99. I'm going to stay alive. I'm going for my D-men. I will not only be the first graduate of the Felder family, but I will be the first doctor in the Felder family. Because our fears don't keep us from what God wants for us. Our job is to understand that he's in the boat with you. It's not Clark Kent. It's not just your teacher. It's not just the Messiah. It's not just a good man. It's God Almighty in the boat with you. Now listen, if you're here right now and you're wondering, you're thinking about giving in, you're telling yourself, I, I, I don't have enough faith, you're in the right place. If you're telling yourself, well, I, I just sinned last week and I gave in to my addictions, I'm telling you, you're in the right, right place. I'm telling you, if you've tried to make it and you keep falling, Maybe you're addicted to alcohol or narcotics or sex or, or food or whatever your addiction is. I'm telling you, you're in the right place. Because what Jesus is saying, you never had the power to, to overcome it by yourself anyway. And I don't need your faith, I just need your trust. 
Say, what's the difference? Sometimes we call faith my own ability to believe. But when you trust God, you trust yourself to him. You trust the situation to him. And I'm telling you, whatever God told you, you are going to be. You are going to be that. Whatever God told you to do, you are going to do what he called you to do. I don't care if you're 99, you are going to do what God called you to do if you don't quit. I see your tears. I feel your spirit. But I'm telling you, there's nothing that God won't do for you. The gospel, I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come now. The gospel was provided by Jesus even while we were yet sinners. We couldn't even come up with a solution for ourselves. Let me tell you something about your God and my God. With God, the answer always exists before the question. God is not, never saying, oops, good, good one, Satan, I didn't see that coming. God would never say that because he's God. Your problem was only introduced to you in time and space. But we deal with a God that lives outside of time and space and inside of time and space at the same time. He saw your problem even before you were born. Hello, hello, hello. Before you were born, he saw your problem. He told Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. What, does God tell, what is God telling you, Jeremy or Sarah? He says, before I formed you, and you fill in your blank, in your mother's womb, I knew you, and I ordained you to be X to X. Your job is to solve for X, and you can't do it alone. All you do is trust him. Trust him. He'll tell you what X is. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, you have been an amazing God. Yeah, 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 yeah. These here are your people. They hear you, Lord. They hear you. Thank you. They hear you. Remind them of who you are. Let them learn as the disciples learn that who was in the boat was not just Jesus, which means the anointed one, or it means Savior. It was God Almighty. But in the boat with them, in the boat with me, in the boat with all of us, is God Almighty. Lord, if we need to be saved, it's God in the boat. You can save us. Not too hard for you. If we need to be healed, you can do that. If we've got tormenting spirits messing with us, we can be delivered. If we've got addictions that we can't seem to get rid of, we can be freed. If we've got fears, you can allay our fears by showing us who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Now, before I close the service, so one housekeeping elevator is out, unfortunately. So um, if you do need help, please stay a little bit. We'll get somebody to help you down the stairs. We want to make sure everybody leaves, um, leaves safely. Um, so listen, this is not an easy message, right? So, you know, we just sang this song, and it's a great anthem. But the reality is we also know that we are afraid. We know we're afraid and we recognize our fear. This is not an opportunity for us not to recognize our interior, right? We recognize our feelings. Our feelings are what they are. But we also recognize that our feelings do not dictate our lives. I can feel fear. It doesn't mean I need to be guided by my fear. And so what Larry's trying to share with us is God truly is here, right here and right now. He's not remote. He's not remote. So I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come to my left over here. And whoever is serving communion, please come over to the right. Um, because we need, to, we need to take steps. We have think tomorrow something's going to happen. Tomorrow, some of us are, are, are calling the doctor. Reality, right? Some of us right now are wrestling with job situations. Some of us right now are taking care of ailing parents and children with disabilities. Some of us right now are just afraid of fear. Some of us don't even know what we're afraid of. We just know that we are afraid. We're afraid of the roars and the rumors of wars. There are so many things that can engulf us. But the thing is this, not only is he in the boat with us, but he gives us community. We're not alone, even in the natural. And so for some of us, we need pray with somebody. We need to say, just verbalize, I have a fear of what the doctor is going to say tomorrow. Can you pray with me? For some of us, we need to be in union with Christ through communion and to really take a moment and to spend that moment receiving the bread representing the broken body of Christ and the wine representing the shed blood to connect again with that reality that he gave his life for us. So recognize where you are, because if you don't recognize it, you can't leave that place. And that's the invitation for us. Recognize it, be courageous, voice it, and allow him to meet you here and now. So don't run out of here. If you need to have prayer, the prayer teams are here. This is what they're here for. They're here as a gift to you and to me. So I'm going to ask you to open up your hands. And I'm going to speak a blessing over each and every one of us. And again, remember, Jesus Christ shed his blood and broke his body that we would have the opportunity to have life and have abundant life. And he is here for you and for me today. So brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, I pray that this word will seek 
deep into the foundation of your soul, that you would recognize that Jesus is not far away, that regardless of what you fear or where you find yourself, he is right here. He is right now. He has given himself that you would have this moment to connect with him. He is not ashamed of you. He has not forgotten you, and you are not on plan B. He is here for you, that you would sense him, that you would connect with him, and that you would allow him to minister to you, not only today, but each and every day as this week goes forward and into the beyond. So I bless you in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. God bless you, Abba Benny.